This is the IDP After Show. Welcome back to Johnny the Greek's Cornerback Corner. This is the audio edition going into week 17. How's everybody doing? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you guys had a good holiday break last few days here. And I hope you got, you know, into the finals as well. Much, much better week this past week. At least a lot more predictable, that's for sure. And that's half the battle. You know, a lot of these things should go a certain way according to what we see on paper. But, you know, that's why they play the games, any given Sunday, all that. We never know what's going to actually happen. But this past week, we did get a lot closer to what we thought was going to happen. So that helped quite a bit in terms of accuracy, predictions, projections, stuff like that. So I think we're looking a little bit better. And we've got some excellent, excellent options for you for this week for your title games. For most of you, anyway. I know some of you guys have those Week 18 title games. And we will be bringing back Cornerback Corner for an extra week, both written and audio, for those of you that have those late title games. So we got you covered. But for most of us, this is it. This is the week. So let's get ready. Let's get prepared. We'll start, as is tradition, with transparency for last week. So week 16, I had 75% accuracy on the written article. There were 68 adjusted calls, 73 originally before those five injuries and inactives, and a 50% massive hit rate last week. So 50% of all the correct calls, double, tripled, quadrupled, or more their projections. So really good to see that right there. But what that really means is if I got it right half the time, it was a huge game for that cornerback, and we needed them last week, that's for sure. For the season, I am sitting at 80% accuracy with 48% of all correct calls being a massive hit. All right, let's move on to the transparency for the audio edition. Did not do quite as well for the audio edition transparency, but, you know, read the article. What can I say? All right, last week, the guys that I thought were going to be cornerbacks ones and twos were the following. Paulson Adebo, who tripled his projection. DJ Reed, who was under projection. Duran Bland, who was under projection, but there was also Cater Kohu, who got past his. Byron Murphy, who was inactive. Carlton Davis, who was injured during play. Dart throws last week. Asante Samuel Jr. was under projection. Martin Emerson was past projection. Desmond King tripled his projection. Derek Stingley doubled his. Roger McCreary got past his projection. Jalen Ramsey was under projection by only about a tackle or uh, a tackle and an assist, so not too terrible. Stefan Gilmore got past his projection. Nate Hobbs tripled his projection. We'll definitely be talking about him today. Uh, Darion Kendrick was benched, apparently. We'll talk about that later. And Caleb Evans was under projection. He was also benched late in that game. We'll talk about that later as well. So while we did great on the written article, we were not so great for the audio recommendations. Only eight of 16 correct last week. Four of those eight that were correct were massive hits. We had one guy that was inactive, one guy that was injured during play, two guys that were benched mid-game, and four legitimate misses. So is what it is. You know, we'll do better this week. That's all we can do. All right, let's move on to week 17 here. And, you know, just a, a reminder, 
If it's your first time listening, these team rankings and statistics are off by about a week. That's, you know, that's what we got to do to get this out to you in time. A lot of things like, you know, overall team passing ranking, wide receiver targets ranking, stuff like that doesn't really update until midweek. And we want to get this out to you as soon as possible. So can't wait for it. With that being said, those those rankings are still pretty fairly accurate, right? It's going to give us a good idea of where these teams are in regards to their strengths and weaknesses. And that's all we're looking for. All of this is just a read on paper to point us in the right direction to give us the best options possible. And then after that, we just set the lineup and see what happens. It's, you know, we've got nothing to do with it after that. It's in the hands of the fantasy gods. So we're just doing the best we can ahead of time to put ourselves in the best position at that time when the games kick off. All righty. So let's start with some of the best matchups for week 17. And you guys don't need me to tell you these two right here. These are going to be very popular for everything. Bets, offensive fantasy, IDP fantasy, you name it. Over-unders. There's going to be a lot of action on these two games. First one is Lions at Cowboys. This is indoors, which is excellent. It is a 51.5 point over-under, which is also excellent. The Lions are the fourth best passing attack in the league. The Cowboys are the sixth best. Detroit is only middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. However, I think they're going to have to throw a little bit more than they'd like to to stay with Dallas this week. And Dallas is sixth in the league for wide receiver targets. This has got all the makings of a track meet. I'm hoping that's what we get. That's what Las Vegas thinks we're going to get. They've implied that with the over-under and with the spread being so low. It's, It's not supposed to be a bloodbath one way or the other. It's supposed to be a hotly contested affair. I tend to agree, so I think that's a great place for us to stream some cornerback from this week. I also like Bengals at Chiefs. While this is outdoors, it does have a 50.5 point over under, which is excellent. Cincinnati is second in the entire league for wide receiver targets. Jake Browning is completing about 25 passes per game, and he's had several games recently that were close to 30 passes per game. So that, that's, a, that's a great floor for Snead and McDuffie right there. The Chiefs, on the other side, are the third overall passing attack, which is excellent. They're only 21st for wide receiver targets, but that didn't really seem to matter last week as Nate Hobbs, Amik Robertson, and Jack Jones for the Raiders were all able to eat and eat well in that game last week, that's for sure. So I think we're looking good with those two. I like them quite a bit. Let's move on to some of the best one-sided matchups for Week 17. I like the Jets side of Jets at Browns. Joe Flacco is completing 26 passes per game. That is awesome. Cleveland is also within the top 10 for wide receiver targets ranking. They are eighth overall. So that makes for a great setup for Reed and Sauce Gardner. And we love that. When we see a nice setup, plus we already have good, talented, productive cornerback options to begin with, and then we give them that nice setup on top of it, that's the best it can get right there. So I think we're, we're looking real good for that side of that game. I also like the Ravens side of Dolphins at Ravens. Miami is still the number one overall passing attack in the league. They target their wide receivers within the top 10. So I think we're looking good there. Good Marlon Humphrey week. Good Brandon Stevens week. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. I like the Titans side of Titans at Texans. This is only if uh, C.J. Stroud can clear protocol, concussion protocol, finally, in play. We've missed him for two weeks here. 
So with Shroud under center, the Texans were as high as the number two overall passing attack in the league. That ranking has fallen a bit with Case Keenum taking over the last couple weeks. They currently sit at number five for passing attack and seventh in the league for wide receiver targets. If we get Stroud Black back, we are locked and loaded for our Titans options, that's for sure. I also like the Giants side of Giants at Rams. Rams are the 10th overall passing attack. Sorry, this is Rams at Giants. The Rams are the 10th overall passing attack. They are number one in the league for wide receiver targets. They target their wide receivers a ton every single week. So that is a great setup for our Giants cornerback options this week. And the last one-sided matchup I like in Week 17 is the 49ers side of 49ers at Commanders. The Commanders are within the top third of the league for their overall passing offense. They are third in the league for wide receiver targets. And we've talked about this all season. They have a mistake-prone quarterback. That's if they roll out Sam Howell. You know, we'll see if Brissett maybe gets a start instead. But it doesn't matter. We've seen this all year. The Commanders like to pass the ball and... They don't do it that well. <laughs> I mean, you know, they throw to the, lo- the wrong team a lot. Um, and the 49ers just got embarrassed on national TV. I think their defense is going to do a much better job this week and really just clamp down on the commanders, putting them in a negative game script, which means they're going to have to throw even more than they already do. So I think all this makes for a great setup for a 49ers side in that particular matchup right there. Some of the worst matchups for Week 17 include Falcons at Bears. So this is outdoors in the Windy City. That's not great to begin with. We've only got a 37.5 point over under, which is very low. That's indicative of a defensive struggle. This is the 23rd and 28th, respectively, overall passing attacks in the league. So not good and not good. The Falcons are dead last in the league for wide receiver targets, and the Bears are 29th for wide receiver targets. So literally zero positive factors in that game. It's all negative. It's all bad. So I am not touching it, and I would recommend you do the same. Another really horrendous matchup for Week 17 is Chargers at Broncos. This is outdoors, a mile high outdoors. It's also got a 37.5 point over under, which is very low and indicates a defensive struggle. The Chargers passing attack is dead on arrival with Easton Stick, and I highly doubt that they roll out Keenan Allen in a meaningless game and possibly re-injure him this week. So, you know, that's not great for our Broncos options. And then on the other side, Denver is within the worst third of the league for their overall passing attack, and they are 30th for wide receiver targets, so not a good setup for our Chargers either. I am avoiding that matchup as well. We've got some potentially good matchups for Week 17. Newer category we introduced last week. So these aren't perfect, but they really do have the opportunity to be good if a couple things line up for us. Last week, you know, when we were talking about this category, we talked about Rams and Saints being a potentially good matchup. And it was an excellent matchup for us last week. Out of like the five or six quarters I recommended, all of them except one went way past their projection last week. And we had a beautiful game for streaming corner. So that's kind of what we're talking about here is these aren't perfect, but they could be really good. We've definitely got some value within them. First one is Raiders at Colts. This is indoors in late December. That's already good. We'll take it. It's got a 44-point over-under, which is really good. That's on the higher side of things. 
The Raiders are middle of the pack, both for their overall passing offense and for their wide receiver targets ranking. But we've seen that they can complete passes. We've seen that recently. That Chargers game where they put up 60-something points, they were slinging it all over the yard there. So we know it's possible, especially against this Colts defense, which is mediocre at best, if we're being honest, right? So I think the Raiders will be able to complete some passes. That gives us plenty of value for Kenny Moore and company. And on the other side, the Colts are middle of the pack for their passing offense, but within the top third of the league for wide receiver targets. So that's good right there. That's going to give Nate Hobbs some value. And then, you know, probably some decent value for Amik Robertson and Jack Jones in deeper leagues as well. So Raiders at Colts has some good potential for us in week 17. Saints at Bucks also does. This has got a 41.5 point over under, which is decent. You know, not great, but decent. The Saints passing attack is within the top third of the league. They are middle of the pack for wide receiver targets. But we've seen that ranking within the top 10 earlier this season when they had all of their wide receivers healthy, which is going to happen this week. So Chris Olav is back. Rashid Shahid is back. Michael Thomas is supposed to be coming off of IR this week for this game. So they're going to have all their weapons for the first time since way earlier this season. I think that helps with our wide receiver targets right there and gives us some value. On the other side of this, Tampa Bay is middle of the pack for their passing offense, but sixth overall for wide receiver targets ranking. So that that's a good setup for us right there. Means, you know, they'll be targeting their wide receivers quite a bit, and that's excellent for cornerback streaming. Plus, we're likely to get Marshawn Lattimore back from IR this week, so that gives us a talented, productive, and reliable option to add into this good setup that we're already getting. So I like that. like that quite a bit. All right, let's pick it back up with some likely cornerback ones and twos for week 17. First one I want to talk about is DJ Reed coming off a bit of a stinker last week. So he is going up against Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is around eighth in the league for wide receiver targets, so that's really good. Flacco's completing 26 passes per game. That's excellent. You know, plus DJ Reed has been great for us all season long. You know, if we got to trust someone in a vacuum for our title game, I wouldn't be opposed to trusting DJ Reed in a situation like that. He's had the lesser of all evils effect going all season long. People don't want to target Sauce Gardner, so they end up targeting DJ Reed, and he's been super productive because of that since week one. I'd be A-OK with trusting him in this particular uh, setup this week, no doubt. Uh, also, this is a, a bit of a weird one, but if if Iadi Melifanwu Waifu, yeah, Mela Waifu is designated a cornerback in your League of Merit, which is possible because on NFL Jesus, he is a cornerback. So if that's if that's the case in your league, then he's a cheat code. We've seen it the last couple of weeks here, right? This guy is now essentially in every snap safety, played 99% of snaps last week. He's had two 30-plus point games in a row in most of my leagues. He's blitzing. He's getting sacks. He's got a nice tackle floor. He's landing splash plays. He does it all. If he's designated a corner in your league of merit, I would absolutely fire up if Yadi Melanafu or however you say it is a really good play this week in a great setup against an excellent Cowboys offense. So that's a beautiful thing right there if it applies to you. I also like for another possible cornerback one or two this week, Brandon Stevens up against Miami. 
Miami is the number one overall passing offense in the league. They are eighth in the league or roundabout there for wide receiver targets. And Brandon Stevens has a little bit of the lesser of two evils effect going for him. Would you rather target Marlon Humphrey or Brandon Stevens? I, I know what my answer would be. And Stevens has been pretty good, pretty productive for us all season. So this is a pretty good spot for him right here. I also like Roger McCreary up against the Texans. This is assuming we get C.J. Stroud back this week. So the Texans right now are the fifth overall passing offense and seventh in the league for wide receiver targets. But as previously mentioned, they've been as high as number two in that ranking. Uh, and that was with Stroud under center. So Stroud is the key to this. And he could give Roger McCreary an excellent week if he ends up playing. I also like Nate Hobbs. So Nate Hobbs is only up against a middle-of-the-pack Indianapolis passing offense, but they are within the top third of the league for wide receiver targets, which is what we need to see. Hobbs is coming off a week where he tripled his projection. And just to shoot you straight, there's no one I'd trust more in a title game except maybe Kenny Moore. And he's the next guy we're going to talk about here. But in a vacuum, if someone came to me and said, you can pick any two corners you want for a title game, I'm not going to tell you what the matchup is. I'm not going to tell you who the other team is. I'm not going to tell you if it's indoors, outdoors, what the spread is, what the over-under is, what the rankings are, none of that. You just get to pick two corners to save your butt, to save your season. Nate Hobbs is going to be one of them. End of story. So, yes, I trust him. I trust him uh, a ton this week. Even in a mediocre setup, I trust him very much. I also trust Kenny Moore to be a cornerback one or two this week up against the Raiders. Raiders are middle of the pack, both for passing offense and for wide receiver targets. But this game is indoors, should be highly contested. Both teams want and need this win. Kenny is, is he's as reliable as it gets. You know, that previous example I just talked about, you know, him and Nate Hobbs would be the two corners I would pick if someone just said you can only pick two and. You don't know what you're picking them for, but they're your corners. I would always take Kenny Moore and Nate Hobbs. Those guys have helped me win more titles than I can remember. They've been doing it for years. They are always reliable, always consistent, always productive. And that is so exceedingly rare in the cornerback space for IDP that when it happens, you really just got to go with it. So I am all about it this week. Another likely cornerback one or two this week is Javarius Ward of the Niners up against the mistake-prone Washington passing attack that is within the top third of the league and is number three for wide receiver targets. That's a great setup for Chavarius Ward. And finally, I like Mike Hilton as a possible cornerback one or two this week up against the Chiefs passing attack, which is number three overall. They are only 21st for wide receiver targets, but that didn't matter last week. Nate Hobbs tripled his projection. Amik Robertson doubled his projection. Jack Jones. I think doubled or tripled his projection last week, didn't matter at all. The Chiefs produced enough passing offense for everyone to eat. And I think, I think we'll get at least enough for Mike Hilton and DJ Turner to eat this week. And that's all we really need. All right, let's move on to some dart throws for week 17. First one I want to talk about is Sauce Gardner up against the Browns. Same exact reasons as DJ Reed. Uh, the only difference is opposing teams tend to avoid Sauce Gardner exponentially more than they would DJ Reed. So that makes him just a dart throw instead of a, a more sure thing cornerback one or two. 
but I still do like Sauce Gardner in that setup just as a dart throw. I also like Cameron Sutton as a dart throw of the Lions up against the Cowboys. Cowboys are sixth overall for passing offense, sixth overall for wide receiver targets. Cameron Sutton is the last true cornerback that is starting and playing 100% of snaps for the Lions. They've got guys like Brian Branch, it's really a safety. They've got guys like Mela Waifu, who's playing safety but designated a corner. They've got Jerry Jacobs, who was benched a couple weeks ago and then inactive last week. So it's really just Sutton. He is the option, and he's in a spectacular setup this week against Dallas, and that's indoors as well. So I like that quite a bit as a dart throw. I also like Stefan Gilmore as a dart throw up against Detroit. Detroit is fourth overall for passing offense, middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but it's an ideal setup, and Stefan Gilmore has been great for us all season. When those two things come together, we're looking good. I also like Deron Bland up against Detroit for the same exact reasons as Stephon Gilmore. I like Marlon Humphrey as a dart throw. He is coming off of his best performance of the season. He doubled his projection last week. He's in an ideal matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are the first overall passing attack, eighth in the league for wide receiver targets. That's a beautiful setup for Marlon Humphrey. He's starting to get hot at just the right time. I also like for a dart throw week 17, Dory Jackson coming off a massive performance last week. He had like a 30 plus point game. He's going up against the Rams, which are the 10th best passing attack in the league. They are number one overall for wide receiver targets. That is a perfect setup for a Dory Jackson right there. I like Paulson Adebo as a dart throw up against the Bucks. The Bucks are only middle of the pack for passing offense, but they are sixth overall for wide receiver targets, so that helps us quite a bit. I like Jamel Dean on the other side of that matchup up against the Saints. Saints are within the top third of the league for overall passing attack, middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but we talked about this earlier. That's a little bit of a mirage, right? That, that ranking has had to change as they've dealt with injuries over the season. They are getting healthy at the wide receiver core right now. So I think we're looking good there. I like Diamador Lenoir of the Niners for the same reasons as Chavarius Ward. He's just a little bit less productive than Chavarius Ward. So he's a dart throw and not a cornerback one or two. I like DJ Turner for the same reasons as I like Mike Hilton. DJ Turner is just a dart throw and not a cornerback one or two because he's not as productive as Mike Hilton. Those are the only differences with those two guys. I like Legereus Sneed up against Cincinnati. So Cincinnati under Jake Browning is completing 25 passes per game. They have the second overall ranking for wide receiver targets. That's a beautiful setup for Sneed. I like Trent McDuffie as a dart throw as well. Same exact reasons as Legereus Sneed. And last two, I like Jair Alexander. This week, he is up against the third overall Minnesota Vikings passing attack. They are only middle of the pack for wide receiver targets, but we've seen that Mullins is much, much, much better under center and is completing passes. Plus, we just found out Hawkinson's done for the season. I literally just saw that before I hit record. So they're not going to have those, you know, what is it, five to 10 tight end targets? that they usually have each week. We can throw those out the window. Those are going to have to go to wide receivers now, and that helps Jair Alexander quite a bit. And then on the other side of that matchup, I like Byron Murphy against the Packers. Packers are only middle of the pack for overall passing offense, but they are ninth for wide receiver targets. 
So that's a good setup for Murphy right there. And, and this is not scientific at all. It's just something that I like. Murphy and Jair Alexander play in the last game of the slate for Sunday. So it's kind of like a last ditch effort type deal, right? Like, okay, well, I'm not totally out of it. I've still got a corner left. And if they blow up, maybe it saves me. Maybe it puts me over the top. Maybe it holds a guy off that's on my butt, whatever. I always do like having an option in in those last night games. Uh, Not scientific, just something I like. All right, let's move on to the worst ideas that seem good, week 17 edition. And there's actually a ton of these this week, so I just added most of them to miscellaneous notes. But I do want to make a special mention of this one since I'm playing some people this week, more than one, that have Jerry Jacobs in their lineup for the t- title game. And I'm sure as, sure as hell not going to tell them this, but you know, I will put it out into the ether for you guys. So Jerry Jacobs' hamstring kept him inactive last week. He did not play. But we got to remember that he was demoted to special teams the week before that. This is the perfect storm. He's got a 17-point projection in many of my leagues. He's got an ideal matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. It On paper, this looks spectacular. I can see why people are falling for this. But it's very likely a rug-pull scenario. We have to remember that he was benched and demoted to special teams. He's done nothing to regain his job since then. All he's done is miss a week due to a hamstring injury. So if he's able to play this week, if he's deemed healthy, there are a lot of people that miss that news about him getting benched and only playing special teams. They're going to assume that he's a starter. They're going to see that huge projection. They're going to see that ideal matchup with Dallas. They're going to plug him in, and they're probably going to eat a zero. So just make sure that's not you guys, and that's the best we can do. The others will just have to deal with it. All righty, and we'll round things out with a ton of notes for Week 17 here. And really, title games is all about avoiding disaster and just making sure everything's solid, right? Making sure you're not going to beat yourself. So you want to give your corners a chance to help you win. You don't want to fall into any traps this week. So I've got a good 10 or 15 traps here. I'm just going to go right down the line and make sure that none of these happen to you guys. So Jerry Jacobs, we just mentioned that one. Stay away from him this week. I don't care how good the matchup is. I don't care how big his projection is. He could end up playing special teams only, and you're toast if that happens. Brian Branch. He's He was much, much, much better with the production last week, but he's still only playing about 72 to 75% of snaps per week, so it's not perfect. He does have a very good matchup this week, so that might overpower that missing playing time. But just wanted to let you guys know, it's still not perfect. It's iffy. So if, if you have a better option, I would go with that instead. Any Patriots corner that's not named Miles Bryant this week is definitely a trap. There was all kinds of fluctuation last week. We saw Sean Wade get into the mix. Uh, We saw Jalen Mills get into the mix. Part of that was Jabril uh, Peppers being inactive. But the other part of it was fluctuations that have continued for the Patriots cornerback core, you know, with J.C. Jackson going to IR, among other issues. So really, the only safe Patriots corner right now is Miles Bryant. Speaking of not safe corners, Jeff Akuda was benched last week after about 6% of snaps, I believe it was. So he is not a safe option going forward. Do not start Jeff Akuda this week. Tyreek Stevenson is now splitting time with Terrell Smith. He only played 51% of snaps last week, so do not start Tyreek Stevenson this week. 
That's also a trap. Sean Murphy bunting was inactive last week. That gave Elijah Molden enough snaps to be a starter. They're connected, though. If Murphy bunting is healthy, Molden's going to play less than half the snaps. That's what we've seen most of this season. If Murphy bunting is inactive, though, then Elijah Molden will likely play 100% of snaps and be a pretty good option. But it's dependent on that. It's dependent on Murphy Bunting being inactive. So just want to put that out there. Moving on. So Tyson Campbell was back from injury last week. He did only play 54% of snaps. So he's not there yet. I don't think we're going to get 100% of snaps this week. So we should avoid him and play a guy that's at least going to play every snap in the most important game of the season, the title game. Darion Kendrick for the Rams was benched last week. We can blast him out the airlock. We don't need him anymore. We'll worry about that crap next year. See you later, Darion Kendrick. Deontay Banks injured his shoulder in that Monday game against the Eagles. So he's iffy to play this week. He's got a really good matchup with the Rams. I like that matchup. What I don't like is plugging a guy in fresh off a shoulder injury and having a higher risk of re-injury in a title game. I'm not playing that. I'm not playing that game. I'm not doing that. All of my guys that play this week in all the different title games I'm in will will not have a Q next to them. <laughs> they will not, you know, unless it's like an offensive guy, like it, like it's CMC or something, right? Like it, any cornerback I have is not going to have a Q next to them. Let's put it that way. I'm not messing around with any of that this week. I want guys that are for sure the starter, for sure going to play 100% of snaps and are for sure in a good setup, an ideal situation. I will have that in all of my leagues across the board for every single cornerback slot. I guarantee it. I would recommend you guys do the same. Remove as much shenanigans as you can. Do your part to make sure everything looks good. And then it's up to the, to the fantasy gods, right? But we got to at least do that first part. Make sure we're not falling into any traps you know, that are out there. All right, a few more here. So Antonio Hamilton for the Arizona Cardinals is the only Arizona cornerback to start consecutive games in about a month. So beyond him, there's fluctuation everywhere. So he is the only safe option currently in Arizona. Darius Slay was inactive for a second week in a row last week. We did not get a true one-to-one replacement. Just a whole bunch of guys playing around 50% or less uh, of snaps. So not great there. He will be good to go for the playoffs, but we don't know if he'll be good to go for either week 17 or 18. So that, that's pretty iffy. They don't have a great matchup to begin with this week. They got the Cardinals, which is a terrible passing attack. So I would just skip Slay for now. Carlton Davis is a bad idea this week in any capacity. I loved his matchup last week. When he's healthy, I love him. He, he rarely does not get past his projection when he is truly healthy and plays 100% of snaps. The problem with Carlton Davis is that almost never happens. He was injured after 15% of snaps last week. He's also been injured in weeks 2, 3, 10, 11, 15, and 16. So he's injured a lot. We just can't trust that, especially this week. Goodbye, Carlton Davis. We can blast him out the airlock, and we'll see him next year. All right, a couple more here. So Tariq Woolen. He did get right back up to, you know, almost 100% of snaps last week. But we got to remember, he's two weeks removed from an in-game benching. That's not something I'm trusting in the championship game that I've worked 17 weeks to get to. 
I'm not going to trust a guy that was just benched two weeks ago. You know, you shouldn't either. That's, you know, we don't play games like that right now. It's just not a good idea. Also, Michael Davis played a ton of snaps last week, but he's been benched in weeks 10, 12, and 13 and has seen his playing time fluctuate in many other weeks this season. So I would not trust him either. Also, a Caleb Evans was benched late last week, so we can't trust him either. Any of those guys I just mentioned, I would just stay away, which is fine. That's doable. We've got 96 cornerbacks we can work with every week. I just named about 10 of them. So, you know, we still got a good 86 to work with. We got plenty of options. Just stay away from those iffy ones I just talked about because, you know, that's the last thing we need is a rug pull situation and to eat a zero from our corners in the title game. All righty. Last couple notes here. So Jaquan McMillian. Denver Broncos is fine. He played 71% of snaps last week, which is just about his normal playing time. Only issue was New England didn't provide enough offense for everyone to eat, and that makes sense. New England's offense is not good, has not been good, is not one that we target for opposing quarterback streaming in, in any regard. So that makes sense. But, you know, just bad timing. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Those are the big ones. I do have additional notes littered throughout the article. We are over 7,000 words this week, so please check that out if you need more details. Everything should be there to get you covered. But we covered the, the big stuff this week in the audio edition. Don't forget, Los Angeles slash California listeners, the Touchdown Hoedown is every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at the Desert 5 spot. That's at 6516 Selma Avenue in Hollywood, California. Contact at Lamont at L-A-M-0-N-T-562 on Twitter for details. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We are just losing our voice now, so I got through it before that happened. That's great. Good timing on my part. We're learning. But seriously, good luck, everyone. I hope you guys take down those titles this week. Make good decisions. Control the things you can, can control. And then it's in the hands of the fantasy gods, and we, we hope they show us mercy. Good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a Week 18 edition for those of you with the very late title games. We got you covered. But until then, good luck. Happy holidays. We'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This was the IDP After Show. 